Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Pandemic. Today we're switching things up a bit because we have our first return guest, comic book writer and imaginative individual Frank Martin. The format is still me interviewing a guest, but instead of chatting about comics for the apocalypse, I ask my guest about what comics they've been reading during the pandemic. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, an award-winning magazine. Comic Scene is available digitally and in print in the UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada and the good old USA at www.getmycomics.com forward slash comic scene. Also, just a friendly reminder that my first four-issue mini-series has been published with Action Lab called The S-Factor, which is about an underappreciated sidekick called Grey Fox, who decides to rebrand himself through a new dating reality TV show for superheroes called The S-Factor, where 12 female contestants fight for his affection. Meanwhile, his former superior, Dark Fox, is bewildered as to why he would put himself in such a vulnerable position. If that tickles your fancy, then you can get all four issues on Comixology to read in full uh, by searching for The S Factor on Comixology or by simply following the link www.tinyurl.com forward slash The S Factor. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Frank Martin. How's it going? Hey, Sam. What's up? Oh, good, mate. Oh, good. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. And instead of doing our comics for the apocalypse, it's going to be comics for the pandemic. So it's a real pleasure to have you as the first repeat guest. It certainly feels like an apocalypse at times, especially at the yeah. beginning. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. It was real tough, the uh, the initial lockdown. Um, how, how is it on your side of the pond? Uh, well, I'm in New York, so things mm. are pretty pretty harsh here in the beginning. And it's it's gone better, I would say, but it's yeah. it's strange because at the beginning, uh, certain parts of the country were aren't weren't affected as much, and New York was kind of crazy. And now New York settled down a little bit, but there's other parts of the country that are the exact opposite of where they were a couple months ago. So it's it's kind of flipped a little bit. Yeah, man, um, it's uh, it's a real strange situation for us all to be in. Um, but uh, I guess we kind of we can console in the fact that we're all in it together. Perhaps that's something. <laughs> it's kind of. I mean, we've been preparing for this for a while with a lifetime of watching horror and apocalypse and pandemic movies, but <laughs> you can never quite um, really experience it until it's actually happening. Like I was in, I was in a rest stop the other day, and I saw a sign that was. It said do what you can to prevent infection. And it was like something that you would see in kind of a propaganda apocalypse movie. And it just kind of yeah. hit me. And then they had another sign that said, stay six feet apart, which is basically two large dogs nose to tail. And then they had a picture of two dogs, which I thought was very odd. It was like, it's like all those little things that you would see in movies, like details like that, that you're like, what is going on? here?" Yeah, man, it feels, it's just so strange, isn't it? Um, and uh, ho- hopefully normality will return at some point because, um, yeah, it feels just really strange. It, feel, it feels half of it is is really a real dreadful horror that is awful and terrible. And the other half of it is kind of like a, a satire of a horror, you know. 
<laughs> oh my god yeah you're totally right man um but uh for, for the listeners um and those that haven't listened to your previous episode uh what do you do in the world of comics i am a, a comic writer and i kind of write all over the place i've written fantasy i've written horror uh i got a bunch of other stuff in the works that's sci-fi and and crime so I, I like to bounce around and i i've also been recently lettering my own work so i kind of i'm in the beginning as far as the mm-hmm. writing and the, the plotting and then when all the artwork's done i kind of put it all together and put my, my my own words on the page which has been an interesting experience fantastic and where can people find you online uh real simple i'm on twitter instagram and facebook my handle on all three is at frank the writer and i'm also i have a website frankthewriter.com where you could sign up on my mailing list that's probably the best way to kind of keep track of what i'm doing perfect and uh, as always those links from the show notes folks so go check out frank's uh work as we speak um and speaking of that uh you do have a kickstarter that's out at the moment as well I do, I do. It's called the Macabre Motel. It's kind of a, it's a horror one shot, but I describe it more as bizarre, weird horror, uh, atmospheric <laughs> horror, if you will, rather than like scary, gory slasher, serial killer horror. It's kind of the uh, yeah. the other side of the horror coin. Yeah, man, and I, I, I've had a, a a quick preview of it, uh, and it looks fantastic. So, uh, folks, go check it out uh, either via the link that's in the show notes, uh, or if they just search for the Macabre Motel on Kickstarter, they'll be able to find it there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Uh, now, uh, kind of speaking about that and and writing at large, and and usually this is the point where I say I've got some bad news. We're uh, I'm sorry to say that you've ended up in an apocalypse, but you know you know that already. We're in a pandemic already. <laughs> that news is at home already. Um, so, uh, with kind of all of that in mind, my first question for you is: How's your creative process been during this whole pandemic? It's been it's been interesting, mainly mm. because it, the kids have been home. Schools shut down. I have three kids. And during that time, they were um, they were at home. I had to figure out ways to keep them busy, keep them occupied without without uh, losing their minds. At the same token, though, my that uh, the work was uh, my standard work and my wife's work was was down too. So we were home. So it was it made things a little easier that I can disappear a little bit and uh have my wife watch the kids or if she needed to disappear for a little bit we could do it vice versa so it was i i would say my productivity was about the same as far as quantity it's just the logistics of getting it done was a bit different i was writing at different times of the day than i normally did i normally write at night when everybody goes to sleep now i'm kind of writing in the middle of the day when the kids are out for a bike ride or something so uh yeah it's it's about the same amount of writing it's just it was just a kind of doing it in a twilight zone kind of world (laughs) yeah definitely man um and uh yeah with kind of all of that in mind you were saying that it was really kind of choppy in terms of when you're able to do that um did you feel like you had enough time enough headspace to actually explore the ideas that you're trying to create because because that's something that i really struggled with during this whole time until my daughter went back to nursery that I didn't really have the headspace to try and figure out my ideas kind of as I fully usually do. You know, uh, 
Not not really. My head is kind of a whirlwind always, just a <laughs> bunch of different ideas. One thing I did manage to get done during the time of lockdown when our all our schedules was hectic, I, I got a lot of running in. So I, I like to mm. run. I like to kind of get out and get around the neighborhood. And that's hard mm. during our normal schedule. But since everything was uh, kind of thrown out the window, I, I had time where my wife would watch the kids. And again, I would sneak away and go for a quick run. And th- those mm. moments alone, just myself kind of just hitting the pavement and not talking to anybody and just alone with my own head really allowed me to churn ideas and kind of plan things out before I actually sat down and got to writing. So yeah, I think, I think again, it was just kind of the same, uh, kind of the same quantity of, of plotting and writing and getting creative. It was just the way I would go about it would, would be different. Interesting. Um, and so did you, uh, manage to create the macabre motel throughout this pandemic or uh, was it in the process beforehand oh that was in the process beforehand i I like to get a good jump on things and get things really done before i i kind of release into the public or i share them with people so this has been the works for uh, well over a year um and i did i did manage to get some writing done during uh, july and august I, i like to use those summer months to really try to pound out a novel or a novella and I managed to get down, down a ghost story that I was pretty proud of. But yeah, everything that I'm writing now is is kind of going to be years, if months, years away. So this was, I would say, towards the start of the pandemic, I was getting done the lettering of the book. That was that was mainly where it was at. But yeah, it's been it's been completed for a while. Yeah, and you say that you're relatively new to lettering. So how's how's that been? It's been uh, it's been fun. Yeah, at first I did it because I was looking to save costs uh, on mm-hmm. a book. If I was putting together, I mean, comics are expensive, man. So I try yeah, to maybe. figure out ways to, to 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 finance these things. And one and one aspect was I thought of lettering my own books. And I my ultimate goal was basically just to make my lettering passable. You know, I wanted to do it, not a terrible job and be able to tell the story with lettering without people going, ah, oh, this is God awful. But you know, it's gr- grown on me after a while, kind of the art form of lettering. I've mm-hmm. become very prideful of it. The fact that I can do certain things and, and, and change the flow of the page with my word bubbles and my captions. Mm-hmm. And I've come to really respect the form of lettering. And I try to do the, mm-hmm. not just make it passable, but actually make it good where I'm not just uh, telling the story, but enhancing it in a way. So, I would say I've been doing it for a couple of years, maybe two, but I've grown considerably since I first started doing it. So uh, I'm at the point now where I'm I'm pretty proud of of when I get to letter my own work. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, because it it makes such a difference, obviously, lettering, like the, just the, the the shape, the size of speech bubbles, but obviously also the 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 font and the size of the font and things yeah. like that. So how, how much thought do you put into that? Like, for instance, for something like uh, the Macabre Motel? Uh, I put a little bit of, of, of thought into it. I try to, I got only so many fonts. I try to fit something that's going to, that's going to look right, but terrible mm. lettering can, can really bring down awesome artwork, you know? Yeah. So I, I like to say lettering is the only art form that's more successful, the least that it's noticed. It's got to mm-hmm. really, um, be seamless with the art and seamless with the story and it's one of those things where if you notice it after the fact like if you're done with the story and go yeah that was pretty good lettering it was successful but if you're in the middle of 
of reading the story and you notice it, it's kind of not doing its job. So uh, there is, there's a couple parts in the book where I kind of was uh, out of my comfort zone with lettering and I was kind of right. proud of what I did there. Uh, but for the most part, I'm a terrible visual designer. I'm just bad at, at I'm just bad at art. I'm bad at drawing. So certain things like sound effects and making logos with my lettering, I just kind of, I, I do the best I can. But sometimes I'm reading a book, uh, especially from the pros and, and I see like an awesome sound effect and I just have so much more appreciation of it because yeah. I know the work that's put into making that sound effect that I'm just kind of like, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get, getting that, uh, that right, that right arrangement of kind of, uh, W's, P's and H's and things like that to try and evoke either like a laser sound or an explosion or, or whatever, um, can, uh, can be a real art form, I think. Yeah, I think of um, the DC Metal um, event where they had all the different evil Batmen that were that were kind of like uh, versions of the Justice League, and each one of them had their own font and word balloon style. So, <laughs> wow. so when they're all having a conversation and you got to play around with seven different types of fonts and word balloons, wow. I, I, I mean, as a casual reader, you're just like, oh, this is kind of cool. But at reading it, knowing what goes into that, I'm like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And, and to make that work as well, you know, not make it kind of aesthetically confusing um, must, must have been yeah, quite, quite a task. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, now, uh, yeah, uh, moving um, with that, um, obviously it's been an interesting time as a comic fan during this entire pandemic because, of course, basically comics shut down <laughs> um, for at least three months. Um, they're slowly kind of coming back. Um, but what, what's your experience been like as a, as a fan of comics? Uh I mean, it was kind of tough in the beginning in New York. Everybody was saying, wear a mask here, wear a mask there. And um, and we, so we were in the store with masks. This was early on, I would say, at the end of winter towards the beginning of spring. Mm-hmm. And, and then it got to the point where they wanted doors closed. So they kind of treated the comic store like, I guess, like a like – a, I don't know, fast food delivery where you you would come and they would have a menu of all the latest releases and you would kind of tell them what you wanted and they would bring it to you. And then, and then when it really got bad, they said all the stores are done are are closed. So it kind of, there was this very kind of somber time. The last time I went to the comic shop and I was saying bye to the, the the manager and the owner, I'm like, I don't know the next time I'm going to see you is. And he's like, yeah. So it was, it was this very, sad moment where uh there was also pencils down where people stopped making new books because comic stores were closed so they didn't want to release books digitally and then have the comic stores behind so there was this huge lull where you're like well what am i going to read am i going to read old stuff and then marvel did that awesome thing where they um basically put a whole bunch of uh new not new but newish and older books on their app, Marvel Unlimited, for free. You don't even have to sign up. You just kind of open the app and you go to free books. And there was a lot of stuff there to read. So I got, I felt, um, I took advantage of that to read some of the stuff that I've missed in the past or some of the stuff that I should have read that I was ashamed of not having read some of the classics. And that was basically my comic reading for those mm-hmm. those months in March, April, May. 
Awesome. And so, um, for going back to your comic shop quickly, are, are they back up and running now? Or yeah, they're back up and running now. They're getting they're getting deliveries. Uh, New York has strict guidelines as far as what you need to do when you're in stores. Everybody wears a mask, and it's not even open mm-hmm. for discussion like it is in some places of the country where some half people mm-hmm. wearing masks, half people aren't. Nobody's wearing a mask. Everybody here is pretty much wearing a mask. It's it's not even. It's not even open for debate and, and hand sanitizers and some people wear gloves. I haven't been wearing gloves, but, but yeah, it's just, it's an experience like any other. You just go into the store and you're just, everybody has a mask on, you buy your books and you're, you're on your way. Cool. Well, as long as they're kind of open again, um, and, uh, ready for, for, for business, that's, that's something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how well they've been doing, but, but they are open. They're getting new, they're getting new, new books in. And, uh, look, comic fans are pretty loyal customer base. You know, they want to read comics. They want to support their local comic shop. Uh, I know sometimes it's difficult and they, and and bookstores struggle, but I feel the comic community as a whole is pretty strong, pretty supportive of one another. And we want to see everybody succeed. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to loop back around, uh, to, to your reading during the pandemic. Um, what, what was the first? the thing that you picked up first thing that i dove into um i don't really remember the first one i remember one that i uh was eager to read was the original phoenix saga for x-men i i i was a big my big introduction like so many kind of kids um my age was i was introduced to the phoenix through the x-men animated series of the 90s Mm-hmm. They had a they had a huge saga with that. So, but I've never actually went back and read the original Chris Claremont books and the original series. So that was very cool. They had that whole saga up there. I think it was like twelve issues or something. Yeah, yeah. And how how was that experience? Kind of your kind of I guess comparing it to the animated series as you're as you're reading it, kind of even subconsciously probably. Um, what was that like? Uh, it was. It was interesting because it's also a book out of its time. You know, it's a couple mm-hmm. decades old, yeah. and it was also it was also when we saw like the X Men really come into their own. A lot of those newer characters, like Wolverine, during that saga, has his first like Wolverine moment. You know, where I'm the I'm the best is what I do, and what I do isn't very nice when he goes up against the Hellfire Club. And it was also a cool contrast because as soon as I was done with it, I saw that the movie dark phoenix was on demand so i was able to to go right from the original saga right into the movie and i got to kind of compare the two and how was that it was uh i mean have you seen it i have yeah yeah it was yeah i feel like the movie had the same problem that the original storyline had which is right. which is that gene is essentially a good guy that is becomes a bad guy who you don't want to see end up a bad guy you know you want some sort of redemption to her you want some sort of you want her to come out on top and and they they struggled with how to do that both in the the final version in the original and in the movie where they couldn't really come to terms with with i need a bigger bad guy to face off against this overwhelming force of a bad guy and Mm. and in many ways that's what struggled with the um the first movie that she was in x-men 3 when um 
when they attempted kind of a, a slight <laughs> Phoenix saga. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, the, the end. It was the ending, is what it was. They couldn't yeah. figure out a way to to end this story and make and just come to a satisfying end. Yeah, no, nah, it's it, it's difficult, and it's going to be interesting to see now that obviously Marvel have um, Marvel Studios that is has the X Men back. Um, firstly, how they're going to introduce mutants, but then are they eventually going to get round to doing the classics? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like the Dark Phoenix saga and things. Well, like I'm that. I'm very interested. I was a big fan of the Avengers Dissembled storyline when Scarlet Witch kind of went cuckoo. And mm. and and she she had her own little Dark Phoenix saga in that time because she went crazy yeah. and she she was kind of a bad guy that was causing trouble for the Avengers and and I I really want to see them try to do something with that with the MCU and I think that they are kind of they have uh they have WandaVision the, the Disney Plus yeah, series and then fun. and then and then she's going to be in Doctor Strange two which is yeah. which might play off of that a little bit i'm kind of curious i'm very curious to see what they do as dr strange is one of my favorite mcu movies yeah definitely it's uh, it's, it's well up there and obviously kevin kevin feige is a devout comic fan <laughs> like a, and uh, he, he knows every aspect of the of the entire universes of probably both of marvel and dc um so uh, yeah i'm uh, hoping that they're going to be able to do it justice uh but uh moving on from that were there were there any others that kind of stood out to you uh, I mean, some of the other classics. I read the original Kree uh, Scroll War. That yeah. was that was cool. I forget exactly. I think it was in the Avengers. I don't think Fantastic Four were in it, but I don't think that any of the Fantastic Four titles were part of it. But it was mainly an Avengers storyline. But it was, um, yeah. I've been hearing about this war forever. I've never actually read the books, the series of which the war takes place or the war is introduced, and. I would say for its time, it was fairly well done. It never felt like a war, you know. You never, they never had those huge war, uh, intergalactic battles that you would see now in a lot of sci-fi. But I think, given its time period, it did a, a good job of putting the Earth in between these two conflicting empires that are kind of at, at odds with each other. Yeah, man, um, and. Uh... Were there were there any other um, uh, comics uh, that you read? Yeah, more recently, I kind of I haven't read a whole bunch of Donny Kate stuff, so I tried to dive into uh, his work because there he's got some huge fans that are diehard Donny Kate's fans, and they get, oh, they yeah. love him. So I read I, I read Rednecks, which is really good. But anyway, uh, I'm sorry, what was that? I read Rednecks, which is, which is one of his image ones. Yeah, um, which is really good. Definitely check that out. If I you, would say the only thing of his that I that I read was his Doctor Strange. I read the first volume of his Doctor Strange book, which is basically when Loki took over the Source Supreme. Right. And I thought it, I thought it was all right, but I don't think that that was one of his heralded books. So I read uh, the first arc of his Venom storyline that introduces Null, and I also read his Thanos storyline, which which was like um which was like Thanos wins when he goes into the future and he sees the version mm-hmm. of himself where he where he won. So those were two two of his that I read. I think I forget how long they were, but uh you know what? I thought they were good. I thought they were entertaining. They didn't really blow me away like I thought okay. they were. 
Yeah. Especially Venom. I'm not a huge fan of what he's doing with Venom now. And that might right. be blasphemous to some people because he's <laughs> because it's been this huge epic that people are following along with and they can't wait to see it end when with uh, I think it's King is King in Black when he when Null finally arrives, but okay. I don't know. I it was it was it didn't feel like classic Venom to me. It felt like he was trying to do his own thing and forcing it into the Venom mythos, and it just didn't it didn't sit well with me. Yeah, it didn't. It's kind of weird. Fine. Venom Venom's got wings, and there's this Venom dragon, and then there's this god who's not really a god because he kind of makes them do what he. I don't know. I just it it felt like he was trying to do too much with it, and I, people like it though. So. I guess yeah. he's doing something right. Sure, um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of the the thing with uh, with comics and and stories. Full stop is that you know it's gonna sit with some people, but not not for everybody. Even if uh, people see it as a classic, you know. Um, yeah, but, uh, go, go on. Comics is tough because there's just so much history there and so much yeah. uh, the fan base knows mm-hmm. that history and some people like some history and some people don't. So it's like the further it goes on to and the fur- and the more you add on to that history, it's just going to become more polarizing. And the key is to realize that at the end of the day, these are comic books. Just keep reading. Eventually, yeah. the status quo in comics always comes back. If so, Captain America is not, if Steve Rogers is in Captain America, he's going to become Captain America eventually. If Peter Parker loses his powers, he's going to get them back. Like there's just there's always that status quo that you can count on because because that's how they tell their stories. They always come back to center. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, it's always going to come back full circle. Um, and uh, yeah, with the, with the Thanos one, it's it's one I've been actually meaning to to read myself. I haven't got round to it. Uh, but what what did you fully think of that? I thought it was a story that would would have been a cool one shot that he kind of stretched over six issues. That's kind of what I felt. Right. I mean, it was it was cool because the, you got to see some future versions of some characters that are kind of crazy mm. and. And it was an interesting uh, character kind of uh, exploration for Thanos. And so he had some good ideas, but it was very slow moving. There were some panels where our pages were like nothing really was going on. They were just kind of either talking or they were either traveling. So and then so, yeah, I thought it could have been a, a longer one shot that they they tried to, to stretch into a bigger series. So yeah, it was cool to read. I'm glad I read it. I just thought that editorial could have done a better job of, of condensing it. Fair play, fair play. Um and uh we cuz we we're coming up to um cuz I'm trying to keep keep these ones to about half an hour so we've got about 5 minutes left. Um but uh were there, were there any other uh comics that have stood out over this pandemic? I read um Going back to the originals, I read the original uh, Amazing Spider-Man issues, which was pretty cool to see the introduction of uh, all those characters like the Lizard and Doc Ock and Sandman and Chameleon. So it was cool to see their kind of first appearances and how how Spider-Man interacted with them Uh, because I'm – I would say Spider-Man's my favorite hero, so I kind of felt (laughs) like I I betrayed him never reading the the originals. (laughs) And also, I read uh, I read the first um, what was it Winter Soldier saga, where um, Ed Brubaker introduced the Winter Soldier, and it was like they had like fourteen issues that was on there, so it was pretty cool to to read that and see how it originally played out in the books. 
definitely. And I, I believe that you can uh, the Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, you can actually just you can get a seven day free trial anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's a cool app. Uh, I think during um, when we had a whole bunch of racial unrest here in the states after mm. George Floyd died, they yeah. uploaded tons and tons of books strictly featuring black heroes which was which was pretty yeah. cool and okay. i i got to read some some black panther and stuff like that so uh they're constantly rotating the free books on it so if you don't even if you don't want to sign up you got tons of material oh yeah absolutely you got a huge library um and then uh did you have any indie titles that that came come across your path or, or was it a bit uh difficult to fit that in on top of all the uh, usual reading i i mean when they weren't putting out new books I was, um, I was kind of like, what am I going to read? I was kind of strictly Marvel at that point. I would say one one that come kind of jumps out at me is I've been reading uh, John Lees's and Ryan Lee, who does the actually the cover for the Macabre Cartel. Uh, they were putting together Mountainhead for IDW, which has been uh, kind of a wild book. It's been kind of crazy. It's a, it's a horror book. Right, and what was the premise of that? The premise of that is that there is a um, a boy who is kidnapped at a young age uh, by kind of a crazy person, but he never realized that this guy wasn't his father, and his original family kind of takes him back to their mountain home. But there's something going on with the mountain we don't know quite yet, and it's turning everybody in the town basically into um, like John Carpenter's Thing-type monsters. <laughs> And they're just kind of <laughs> so you got this boy who already is anxiety driven, uh, driven, and he's fearful of everybody, and then everybody just starts transforming into these hideous beasts. So he's kind of like try to survive, and it's it's kind of um, yeah, the artwork is is insane, the story is, is crazy, it bounces off the walls. So it's been it's been fun. That's fantastic, and that's with IDW, you say. I believe it is. Yeah. Sorry, John. Sorry, John, if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty uh, sure. Title, sorry, was Mountain Mountainhead. Mountainhead. Great. Yeah. Cool. So definitely uh, check that out, folks, if you want to get an indie fix. Um, well, Frank Martin, thank you so, so much for sharing your comics for the pandemic. It's been a, another absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, sir. Hey, no worries. And, and uh, for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? <laughs> Um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, really easy. My handle for all three is at Frank the Writer, and FrankTheWriter.com is my website where I got a ton of free free stories, my prose stories, and some comics on there. And you can sign up for my mailing list too. Perfect, and of course, go check out the uh, Macabre Motel uh, on Kickstarter either by searching uh, for the Macabre Motel on Kickstarter or, or just clicking the link in the show notes, folks. Um, and uh, Frank, as I said last time, um, uh, I'll, I'll see you on Twitter. Absolutely, see you there. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, my friend. Thanks again to Frank for being on Comics for the Pandemic. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Frank's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene Magazine's website at comicscene.org for comic news and lots of other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.